an epic matchup between your two favorite teams, and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express. You breeze through the card member entrance, stop by the lounge. Now it's almost tip-off, and everyone's already on their feet. This is going to be good. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your live sports experience at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie. And we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews. But now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. Welcome to the Nerdist Podcast number triple five. Triple five. It's five, five, five. It'll never be five, five, five again. It feels like it should be a special number, all fives, or like a jackpot or some... Large coins should spit out the bottom of whatever device that you're listening to the podcast on. Oh my god, a Nerdist Podcast slot machine. That's never going to happen. But if it did, uh, Matt would give all his money back to it. Because <laughs> he, can't, he can't help himself. Um, at Midnight, this week uh, has a pretty fantastic lineup. Um, if you, Of course, it's on At Midnight on Comedy Central. But uh, this week we have Moshe Kasher, Donnell Rawlings, Jesse Joyce, Rob Riggle, Rob Hubel, uh, Owen Burke, Kurt Brownoller, Jason Biggs, Doug Benson, Steve Agee, and more. So uh, watch At Midnight after Colbert, Monday through Thursday on Comedy Central. Uh, also, if you are if you're open to listening to some new podcasts, we've got a ton of other ones on the Nerdist Podcast Network. You might want to listen to Cashing In with T.J. Miller or Competitive Erotic Fan Fiction or the Nerdist Writers Panel with Ben Blacker. Uh, there are many, many to choose from. So if you just go in and put in uh, Nerdist Network on iTunes, then a bunch will come up. Or go to the Nerdist.com website and uh, look for some stuff there. Um, this episode is... The return of, well, it wasn't Spoon before, it was Divine Fits before, but uh, Britt Daniel and Alex Fischel of Spoon uh, came in. We went to the Swing House Studios in uh, West Hollywood, and uh, we talked for a bit, and then they played a couple songs, and we bonded some more, and so this is a, a fun story musical episode uh, of the Nerdist Podcast. By the way, Spoon, which is uh, one of my favorite bands, by the way, uh, their new album, They Want My Soul, is out tomorrow, which is Tuesday, August 5th. So pick it up. Here's Nerdist Podcast number triple five with Spoon. Now entering Nerdist.com. Yeah, I never like to warn people because I, I, I don't, um, I don't know. I just like to have a conversation, and it, I, feel, I feel like it feels weird because you, whenever you're doing something, it's probably really focused on whatever the thing you're working on right then is. So it's just like the same five things, and then your brain probably just ices over, and yeah, you're yeah. like, this story and this story. That's true. Yeah. That's true. You get this rap, you know. But then it's also hard because. You're touring and you're thinking about your shows and you're also trying to get whatever you have to do in the immediate future. And it, do you ever feel like your brain just sort of separates 
We're like, this is the part of my brain that's saying words, and I'm not really checked in on that right now. That sometimes happens, and it's a, it's a creepy place to be. I do not <laughs> like that. I like to be present. Yeah. Know? But, yeah, that happens. It's happened in shows, too, you know, where it's like, wait, what am I doing up here? <laughs> What's but the this? show must go on. Where are we? It doesn't happen very often, but um, when it does, it's no fun. I feel like when you're at a live show, if you, your audience will basically... They're cool with whatever as long as you're honest with them. Right. So you can say, I completely lost my train of thought. And they'll go, okay. But the more you try to cover up for it, they're like, wait a minute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Someone's trying to trick me. Right. That's true. How did the Divine Fits tour go, by the way? Uh, we did a lot of different tours. How did they go? I thought it was great. Yeah. The we shows fun. were fun, yeah. Um, they were wild. Yeah. It was, it was a different type of band. I mean... I'd never played with any of these guys before, for one thing, in a band with with those guys, the Define Fits guys, and uh, just for one thing, just um, you know, Dan is such a charismatic sort of beam of light that uh, can, you know, carry anything, you know, like on stage. So it was kind of cool to be able to just like sit back and let him run things sometimes, you know. But then did you start to get itchy for like I'm kind of ready to go back and do some more of my own stuff after a while? Wait a second. We've started, haven't we? We did! <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I mean, it was just kind of a, t- a thing where we always, I, we always knew we were going to come back to Spoon after Divine Fits was done doing a record and doing a tour. Yeah. We, I just said it, and, and it was, that was in the works the whole time, you know. What number album is this for Spoon? Eight. This number eight? Yeah. That's in, that's in, I mean, did you ever think... We're going to make 8 or 10 or 12 or infinity of these. No, I, sh- I sure didn't. I don't think I was thinking that even like a couple records ago, really. It sounds like a big number. It's a big like, who, number. What kind of bands put out 8 records? Tight bands. <laughs> <laughs> How many records did Zeppelin put out? I don't know. Six, I think. Six? Just six? Wow. No, they didn't put six. Seven. I think they stopped. Is... I, think. I always get lost. Anyway, it's a, it's the around outdoor. there. Yeah. We're, in, we're approaching that territory, at least. But I kind of wonder, when, you're, when you start writing or you start putting stuff together, even if your intention is to, um, oh, this is going to be for another project, does it kind of does it go, oh, but this feels like Spoon? Does it sort of get kicked back there? I haven't really had that issue, but it's usually because like, when it's time to write, it's time to write. You know? Um, you know, I'm busy a lot of the time, and so then at certain points I'm just like, oh, yeah, I'm going to need some songs in about two months. Maybe I should start <laughs> writing some. Do you approach it like, like are you able to approach it like a job? Like, I'm going to write from 9 to 5, and then I'm going to have dinner and go to bed, or do you just write constantly? I'm kind of working constantly, yeah. It's hard to, to set aside. Not eight hours a day. <laughs> yeah. Some comics some comics are really good at that. Like, they can write like it's a job, but for me, it's... I If I... If I get an idea at three o'clock in the morning, I have to get up and like I got to make a note of this because yeah, I'll, yeah, ne- I'll never remember. Do you remember stuff in the middle of the night that you go, "I'll remember this," and then you wake up and you go, "What the fuck was that idea?" Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All the time, especially melodies. You're never going to keep keep melodies if they come to you in your in your in your brain. That doesn't happen to me very often, where it's like a melody just pops into my brain without singing it, you know, or trying to write a melody. But when it does, you got to put it down fast because it won't stick with you. <laughs> Every time I convince myself, like, there's no way I'm going to forget this. There's no way. And the next morning, I'm like, How, I, I think I forgot the best joke I ever wrote. Mm-hmm. And it's gone forever, and I have no idea what it was connected Sorry, to. Sorry, Icarus. Yeah, they, no, <laughs> the wax melted. And there's something about looking for it when you know it's lost that it's going to prevent you from ever finding it. Like, yeah. You know? 
your brain's like, no, fuck you. You had your chance, <laughs> and you decided it would be better. How dare you rely well, well, on me? Well, well, mister, I can't find a pen. <laughs> <laughs> do you record into your phone? Do you, do you yeah, sing, sing into the phone? Yeah. 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 Do you get to That's write much handy. when you travel? Like, or is it sort of once you get home, then it's in It's usually mode? at home. I mean, I always, I've, I've had gone through phases where I've tried to do it on the road. I know some people can do it, but... I don't know. You're usually so busy trying to figure out where you're going to get a shower and where you're going to eat, and then where? How do you get to the sound check? I mean, it's just like you're in more so like hunter gatherer mode. (laughs) Do you feel like your most meaningful, like stuff that is the most meaningful to you? Does it come to you that way, or do you go, "I have a deadline. I just have to get this thing out," and then when it comes out, you go, "Oh wow, that was actually way deeper than I was prepared." Well, you know, I'll be taking notes the whole, you know. All the time, whether or not it's time to write or not, you know. So if there's like a, an idea for a song or a, an idea for a, a word, you know, like lyrics or a melody, yeah, you can jot that down. But the real work doesn't really happen for me till it's yeah, it's time to like we're gonna need something here soon. That's that that motivates you, you know. So you like deadlines? Yeah, I think so. Um, yeah, what would we do without a deadline? We'd still be working on the record, probably. Probably, yeah. yeah. Well, because if you have all the time in the world, how do you know? Then you, then you get to tweak forever. You yeah, don't exactly. have any sense. There's no sense of urgency to, like, we got to tighten this up. You'll, you judge. You keep judging. Yeah, yeah. And that's uh, not a good headspace. It's not a good headspace at all because you don't – are you hard on yourself when you're writing? Are you, or do, or do you, are you pretty much like, this is it and it's fine? Um, well, I, am I hard? Like, well, it's like, do you prejudge stuff? Do you, like, <laughs> do, you, do, you, do you ever do this thing where you go – you start to write something, you go, nah, that's dumb. Or do you go, you know, I'm going to see where this goes. Usually I try to see it through. And then, and then there's a lot of, um, I think we're, we're all, everybody in the band is pretty good at knowing when something doesn't stand up, you know. So you can put out a lot of ideas and then just go through and find the ones that work, you know. Yeah. And do you, has that process gotten easier with, with this band after eight albums? Uh, no. <laughs> Not really. <laughs> what certain things get easier, but... What's your like ratio of like stuff you put down and get in there and do all the way to finish for recording before you like are like oh this one's not working like and does that just eat away at you? Well, I don't know, but the, the, there there must have been like another forty fifty song ideas that we had for this record that we never even really investigated. Do you go back to that stuff? Yeah, sometimes. Yeah, I know that there's bound to be two or three gems in that forty or fifty, and I'll probably next time it's time to write songs I'll. First thing I'll do is listen to those. Do you use that as like a starting place for the it next It can record? be. Yeah. Sometimes you have ideas that your brain emotionally isn't ready to deal with yet. Like there's the seed of something and then you're like, I don't know. And then you get a little bit older and then you get, have a collection of experiences and you're like, oh, this makes total sense right. now. There's one song on the record that we tried doing for Gimme Fiction, which is a long time ago. Um, and... The song was pretty much done, I'd say 80% done, and we, Jim and I couldn't agree on a kick drum pattern and sort of, you know, like, we, I kind of wanted it to be this, like, <clears throat> like, kind of dance kind of feel, mm-hmm. or just at least like that, what do you call that, four on the floor kind of, yeah. it just, like, propulses the whole song. Drummers hate that. <laughs> so, um, we couldn't see eye to eye on that, and then we, all these other songs came to us, and we put it aside, and then, you know, whatever, eight years later, we... We're back at it, the same song again. And you're still having the same conversation? No, we didn't. It didn't. It kind of naturally came to, to us without having to get into it. That, like, 
about half the song has that beat, and then half doesn't. So yes, it was a compromise. So you made a nice we, compromise. We weren't, we weren't, we didn't discuss it, but it just kind of <laughs> happened that way. I mean, is it? I would imagine at this point there must be some certain shorthands that you guys have with each other, or do you find yourself? Does it feel like, oh, this is the same conversation we're having? You know, eight, eight records in, we're still having these. Same I know that there's certain things that that I am going to suggest that he'll always hate. Yeah. And and vice versa. <laughs> he always wants to do the check it to check it to Smith sort of like. Oh right. Like a shuffle. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, like something a two like hi hat, two hands on the hi hat. Yeah, two hands on the hi hat. I don't like that beat. Somewhere. What's <laughs> <laughs> and you and you kept you you keep trying to mash in this kind of four on the floor right, right, right. Yeah, but maybe that's what you know. Maybe maybe finding that balance between those two things is kind of what makes everything sort of hold in. You know in kind of a nice stasis where it's like, oh, the balance of these two forces actually make this work. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right about that. And the combination of two aesthetics, I think, is almost always going to be better than just one aesthetic. Yeah. Unless you're working with someone who is completely wrong for you. But, I mean, I've been working with with Jim and and most of these guys for a long, long time, you know. Do you ever, uh, do you kind of, do you go off and write on your own and then go, this is what we're, or do you guys... Do you present ideas and then as a group? Uh, a lot of it is me writing alone and then coming up with a demo. And then if I get real lucky, then the demo is just like some hot shit demo that we just kind of completely imitate uh, or, or build on top of. But uh, I'd say most of the time I do a demo and I bring it to the band. And I say, how are we going to do this as a band? And we discuss that quite a bit. There's a new, like on, on this new record, there's one that, that Jim and Eric wrote and I just sing on top of. Like that's a new thing for us. Do you like doing it that way? Yeah, I, I did like it, yeah, because I never would have come up with that kind of song. It's it's uh, it's called Outlier on the record. It's number six, and um, we've yeah we've just never had a song like that before. How would you describe it? Dancey. It's a bit dancey. <laughs> yeah. Well, we had it's a tech a that said it would be huge in Latin, in like Southern America, South America, because <laughs> he lives in not Colombia in Texas. now. Right. Yeah, I'm Southern America very different from South not, America. Not, yeah, South America. <laughs> uh, he said that that. We need to we need to push that song because it'll be a, a hit in South South America. Yeah. Do you kind of have? Do you have? Does your playlist change when you go around the world? You go, oh, you know, in this in this part of the world, this these types of songs pop more. But in the, you know, but in America, these type we we kind of we tend to put these out in front more often. Maybe for the warm up music. Yeah, but not for the set probably. <laughs> not for the actual set. Yeah. Are, are you ba- Are you are, are you on tour right now? We just Kinda. been yeah we've been doing shows all through the summer like mostly weekend you know we do go to a festival or go do a run of a couple of shows that kind of thing so but once it, the real tour starts in September right so the, are the albums out August fifth is that right yeah is yeah that right it's August fifth right yeah so once that <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I couldn't remember if it was fourth or fifth it's a Tuesday There's all kinds of things we've been talking about that are happening those days so once that happens like once the album I mean you're you're basically just in the well. It's done, so now we just have to go around and present it, and that and that's it. Like, or or do you still feel like no? The things are still evolving, even though it's technically already well, of done. The songs, yeah, yeah. I think that they do keep evolving, and then sometimes you, they evolve so much where you're just like bummed that you didn't record it that way. But you just gotta let songs live, you know. And if you come up with some great part for it or new avenue for it, then you just gotta. Play it that way. Uh, live album. <laughs> yeah, I guess that is what. <laughs> never live before are. heard presentations of your yeah, favorite that's songs. True. That's true. And I've never liked live albums, but that I didn't really see the point of them. But maybe that is the point of them. You you let the song progress, and then you and then you record this different version of it. It's funny because I don't really feel like as a as a as a listener, 
There's, I don't have a hard and fast rule. Some songs I just want to hear. It's kind of funny to go see a band play a song exactly the way it was recorded. Right. It's almost like you're testing them. Like, I want to see if you could do this the way I heard it. <laughs> and if, you, if they play it exactly the way, you're like, yeah, that's the fucking song. But then other times... I like when they change it up. Like, I'm a big fan of that. That's one of the way it, Cause, it cause should I be, Because I bought though. the album, so my right. thought process is, all right, let's see what we're going to do with this now. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you've already spent this time with it. Let's see what you're playing with with it now. Oh shit, Britt brought, brought bagpipes. And then just totally <laughs> And then you just knew. slowly back out of the venue. Yeah, and doesn't every audience member <laughs> want to feel that the, 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 the performer is present and there with them and doing something that's unique to that setting and that night? And yeah. You definitely got that vibe. Like some bands you just watch and they're like, oh, they are powering through this. There's, I've been real bummed when you see a band like both nights when they're somewhere and yeah. it's the exact same show. Same banter. Or, yeah, oh, the same that, banter. The that banter broke is the my worst. heart once. Yeah. I heard them pick the same fight with what's obviously an invisible audience member so he could right. look clever. I'm like, no, no. Who was that? Not. That was Social Distortion. It was oh, okay. a real bummer mm-hmm. where he was just like, ah, and made the same joke and part of me died. I was I like, oh. That's, there's something really <laughs> wrong about that's that. Like having a, that's like having a significant other call a new an ex-significant other call a new uh, boyfriend the same pet name you're like you can't do that Mm-mm. I was special I was special and then you realize like no I wasn't really but you know <laughs> do you uh, do you do you like going to see music anymore or is it is it hard to go be an audience yeah. member no no I love seeing music I wish I got to see more of it. So, what is what? What when you're watching? What's your experience as an audience member? Are you are you watching analytically, or are you watching and just kind of silently like, judging? <laughs> uh, I wouldn't have done that. Uh, you uh, know, I just probably the same as you. You know, just go to have a couple of drinks, and you hope that there's something that's going to make the hair on the back of your neck stand up. You know, sometimes it happens, sometimes it doesn't. What is that lightning in a bottle thing? Like, what is that thing that happens? Like, you can, you know, there's so many moving parts. So many things kind of have to fall in line for a show to feel like, holy shit. Mm-hmm. So what do you think? I mean, it must, it's hard to plan that. I mean, you can, you can game the system as much as possible. If you're super rehearsed, everyone knows the beats, you're, you feel loose, you feel comfortable. But what do you think that sort of um, that ingredient X is that makes a show like, holy shit? Dank nugs. <laughs> 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 I don't know. It's, yeah, it's, you know, it's, there's no, there, I don't know. There's no answer. It's a lot of things lining up. Like yeah. The audience has to be ready. We have to be ready. Everyone has, it's like meet halfway. I don't know. But when, when it happens, it's great. When you have eight albums to choose from, how do you, how do you decide which ones to go back and and cherry pick? Or does that change, or does that set say? There's just certain ones that you know you can play real well. There's certain ones that that you know that everybody wants to hear, and then after that, maybe you just pick out some just to be weird. You know, that's something you haven't <laughs> played in three or four or five years. For you, like you have to have them. You have to play some for you. Yeah. Well, for me, I love playing the songs that. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, just you, you play the songs that you know are going to be good. <laughs> you know? And um, I don't know. I don't know what. I just feel like we, we've never really had a, a, a point where we were playing songs we didn't like. But um. That's got to be such a weird thing for a bit. I just can't stop thinking about the police. It's like, <laughs> okay, you're getting like a million and a half dollars a night or whatever, whatever it is. You all hate each other. You're sick of these songs. But like, what, how do you... How, 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 why is it so difficult to just come? Just fucking play the songs and just just get along for a couple weeks, and then right. you can go back to your how lives. Hard can it be? Yeah, 
I don't know how. I don't know. You I just mean, think like, it's a million dollars per EO, and well, then just go home. <laughs> but but I guess there really is that thing. It's like at a certain point, it's just not worth it. Like how do you infuse? How do you infuse the freshness into the relationship that you have with the music and and I guess each other as a group if it isn't quite naturally there at the moment? Yeah, and I th- think part of the, part of the way you do that is by just just how jazzed you get about being in front of an audience. You know, that that is the sort of unknown that's going to make every you know that you know we'll be we will rehearse these songs for weeks and weeks before we went on tour and it kind of got a little like yeah. that's, that it's not inspiring but you <laughs> well, get up on stage in front of some people and you can be inspired immediately yeah it was crazy cuz we had we had rehearsed for like 2 weeks and then we played a show like after taking like a 3 day break 4 days something like that right yeah and then we played our first show and everyone was playing different and yeah, I was, like, every, I was like, what the fuck? You actually do play. <laughs> yeah, it was like, this sounds nothing like it did in rehearsal. It's fucking awesome. Wow. Yeah. Not the rehearsal sounded shitty, but. Maybe it sounded shitty. <laughs> Maybe at times it may have sounded shitty. But you kind of, it's almost like you kind of need to, you kind of need to do all the mechanical parts and then step away and then it just kind of like gets into your nervous system and then you're just not, I think, I would imagine like once you can take your take the thinking out of it and get your brain out of the way, like once it's in your fingers, that's, right. that's yeah, probably that's what it, the rehearsal's for, right? Yeah, you get it so that you have some motor memory. Yeah, and then you go and try to find some magic in front of people, you know. And then uh, all out of nowhere, you throw a bitch and Marty McFly guitar solo just in the middle, and just see how everyone deals with that. Right? Because <laughs> uh, I saw a, um, a friend of mine. I went to see Buck Owens play like maybe eight or ten years ago, and he was at the, I think he was at the House of Blues. And my f- and this friend of mine was a, knew a guy in his band. And the guy said, and and, the, and his band were like world class musicians. And they said, and this guy goes, uh, "Yeah, we never know like what key or tempo Buck's gonna play. He just that starts, rules. and then we have to follow him. We have to keep up with him." So they, they're basically, it just sounded like every night is a steeplechase. From they right. have no idea what he's gonna play or how he's gonna do I it. I think that's how Chuck Berry does it too. You know, but he's working with his, bands. His that, setup's crazy because you have to supply him with a band. Yeah, yeah. Like he's that's playing with people. He's full never back with line. Before. And then they just know the set list ahead of time. Right. Not sure what key it's going to be in mm-hmm. or the tempo or when, which song is going to start when. But I've seen him play a lot of shows, and they are loose. Yeah. <laughs> um, the first time I saw him, he actually recited poetry in the middle of the set. He was on. <laughs> he recited poetry, and he, like his own poems, and he also did a duck walk. And then I've seen him more recently where he's just, yeah, just not... <laughs> wasn't his night like I think he was really drunk the last time I saw him he had to have been he's also pretty up there he is up there but the, but I just the first time I saw him was not too long ago and it was I just think that he has on and off nights you know yeah I mean I, I guess it's also at a certain point you're just sort of like uh, I'm me. You can either like this or you don't. Like, it's not, I don't think he's really. He may not be doing it for the passion anymore. Right. It's just sort of like, ah, you know, it's I got to imagine like that. Like all the songs you're playing were written 50 years ago. <laughs> yeah, like that's an insane thought process. Walk on stage. All right, here's a bunch of stuff from ha- more than halfway through my life. Yeah, I mean, he literally could be asleep and his mouth is just still just spitting out all the everything. But yeah, I think that's why it's fun for him though. The same thing. Like you're playing it in front of this this unknown. An audience, and you don't know exactly what's going to happen while you're here in, in front of them on the stage, and that's what makes it, you know, interesting for him. And that's why he probably plays a um, one show in his hometown in, of St. Louis a month. You know, he has this regular show that he just does, no matter what. 
you ever think about mixing it up so that people would leave a show and say, like, did you see the pyrotechnics at the Spoon concert? <laughs> have you ever thought about have you ever, have you ever thought about doing anything like theatric, like any like stage theatrics or anything weird? Not really. Uh, I have. You have. <laughs> but tell us, tell well, us what it's going to be like. We should talk about Break this. Break down the stage. What do you got? Give us the vision. We just got. We just beneath the stage, and Jim comes out first. <laughs> he just starts rent I pay. That is a big. That is a good look when someone can come up from yeah. underneath the stage. And so I've seen Prince he, do that a couple times. He comes up. He's already playing. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He starts and playing underneath the stage. Just lights on him, right? All right. And then you come up. You're playing your like your guitar. Yeah. And then you know, once it hits, everyone just kind of like somehow poofs on stage with your when your vocals come in right. somehow. An effect of poofing on stage. Does, does he fly in over the audience and land, and then everyone poofs on, or does he just... No, he's coming out from under the from stage From under the also. stage, too. Okay. Me? You know, yeah. Oh, yeah. So oh, Jim yeah. comes, then like you that. come, and your, your thing's kind of twirling as you're coming up, uh-huh. and you're playing the guitar. Now, hold on. Let me write this down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I heard twirling. Uh-huh. Your, your cylinder is spinning while you're coming up. Okay. And then so, like... Then once the song hits, everybody else kind of, kind of poofs there with like tons of flames. <laughs> it's all about poofing. That's, yeah. yeah that's There's like, a lot of right. poofing and flames. Yeah, I'm, I love that you've thought very d- d- detailed. About I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I just think it would be awesome. One time. Do you go Kiss-style <laughs> gimmicks as the show goes along or like a queen disappear, reappear? I could do a – I think a disappear, reappear would be kind of cool. Yeah. I think it'd be kind of fun because no one would fucking expect that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I think you do two nights in places and you do one normal stripped down indie rock band and then one crazy stadium rock show with no self-awareness that there's two different shows just playing both real straight. I think you start with the stadium rock show and so everyone's like, you, you're not going to fucking <laughs> believe what they... And then you just act like it, that didn't happen right. the next <laughs> night. <laughs> what are you guys hoping for? <laughs> little Michigan J Frog situation. Like, no man, Spoon be- is crazy, Dad. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, would you play something? Yeah, yeah, we can do that. That would be great. I think it'd be fun to, since we're in this music studio and there's instruments over there. All right. I think it might be kind of fun to play a couple songs and then. Bye, Ben.
like, I hope, yeah, yes, we tricked you into giving us a private concert. I hope that's okay with you. <laughs> that's the first, the first I time. I enjoyed that. <laughs> so, uh, what was the name of that song? Inside Out. What's it about? Yeah, I don't know. Can, can you tell us what that one's about? I don't know what that one's about. Really? Well, it's about holy rollers. It's about true love. No, you don't have time for them? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's about, you know, real feelings versus uh, the feelings you were taught to grow up with, you know. Okay, that's an interesting point. Let me, this, this might be personal, so you can tell me to fuck off. <laughs> uh, I feel like we're probably around the same age. So how do you feel now versus, you know, 10, 15, 20 years ago? Like, do you feel, do you feel more comfortable with yourself or do you feel more comfortable? Do you kind of feel like I'm a grown-up now or I feel like I have wisdom or do you feel comfortable? Do you still feel, do you still feel like, ah, there's something missing still and I, there's a hole I got to fill? Like, I don't know. How, how do you feel in your skin now? Well, I feel comfortable and I feel wiser. Um, there's still a lot of things that... You know, but I feel still feel driven to try to do things, yeah, and to try to get better. Yeah, I think people do get wiser as they get older. Because, you know, if you, when I was twenty five, if you had said, "Hey, w- look at this guy who's, uh, you know, forty two, you'd be like, "What an old who the fuck get that guy!" But then you start getting up the, to that age, and you're like, "I'm not. I feel like me. I'm not. You know." So do you still feel the same way when you're 60, 70, 80 years old? This is something I've been talking about a lot lately. Because when I was, you know, 16, 17, I, 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 you know, pictured myself dying or offing myself by the time I got to be 30. You know, I just, I didn't, where I grew up, I didn't know of any 30-year-olds who were, like, living interesting lives. You right. Know? It was everybody seemed kind of dead. Yeah. And um, eventually, you know, that was sort of a short-sighted way. <laughs> you know, eventually I, like, got older and I saw that, oh, yeah, there are people who are still, like, present and, like, involved with uh, the real world and, you know, like, interesting things are still happening to them. But it's like, there's still that part of me that's like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> you know, this isn't supposed to happen. Right. Remember me? Like, this is, you know, I still recognize that guy's still in there somewhere. But you, you're, 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 I remember, He's 16. Yeah, you're like, you're, yeah, you're, you're still, you're, you still are that like 25 year old. I just got my permit. Oh my God, that's so great. Yeah, we'll my, go do donuts in the parking lot. That's pretty sweet. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I can't, I feel like it's a good thing. I mean, I don't feel like I was that reflective when I was younger. Um, and I feel like it's a good thing. I feel like there's a, a strive for, I don't know, depth or something more interesting or something more personal. Do you feel, like the stuff that's coming out of you now is more personal. When you look back on the older stuff, you're like, "Oh, that was all superficial." Oh, music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do feel like, yeah, it was totally the stuff when I first started. When I first started out, I didn't think there was anything cooler than, you know, Wire and Gang of Four. And you were right. Yeah, those those <laughs> bands they're very cool, but there's not a lot of personal insights going on there. True. Um, and I still love them, but you know, it's at some point I think around the time that sort of like my life started falling apart, maybe. Uh, I, I discovered that, you know, like this thing of writing songs where you kind of express vulnerabilities and like what's really going on with you, this can be powerful and handy, you know, and, and fun. It seems like there's a migration from writing from a standpoint of, oh, writing is this thing I go do as opposed to, I, you know, I was just having a conversation with someone today about, the, about and I tried to simplify it as like, 
you know, there are, there are action verbs and there are being verbs. And when you're younger, I feel like you employ a lot of action verbs. You're like, oh, I have to go do this thing because you don't know who you are yet and you're not comfortable being, mm-hmm. you know? So the stuff that comes out of you that's more personal that you, when you're younger, you're like, oh, that's, that's, that, you know, that's dumb. That's just a thing I felt or went through. And it's like, no, 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 no. But that's actually what's really interesting, not some external thing that you have to go in search of. Right. So it, it, are, are you, you really feel like now, like that's, that it, it, does it feel more seamless in that way now than it used to? As far as songwriting goes? Or just life. Just well, <laughs> let's start with songwriting and then, and then uh, go to life. Oh boy, um, <laughs> i I feel like it's uh, I feel like it's easier, um, and I definitely, you know, I got more. You know, like I say, like around the time that my life started falling apart, I got a lot more accustomed, uh, familiar with those sort of unpleasant feelings, and and realized that like, you know. Some of my favorite records are, are ones like Plastic Ono Band, where people are talking, you know, where John Lennon is talking about pain, you mm-hmm. know. Um, that's been real helpful, you know. That's, I, th- I think that the records did get a lot better around that time. Do you feel like it's necessary? Do you, think, do you feel like it's necessary to have. No, you I- can make a party record, and that, that can be life changing <laughs> too. You know? Yeah. Both, you don't have to, but uh, personally for me, I, I, I enjoy it more now, you know. I, I agree too. I think the party records are fun, but party, uh, this is going to be a generality, but party records are fun, but the records that stick with me through, you know, oh, I love this record, but then I stop listening to it. The records that I still listen to are the ones that are more emotional, I guess, the ones mm. that I can connect with in that way. You know, there's always songs that's like, oh, this is a good, good song. I'm having a party. I'll put that on. But then there's the records that I find myself wanting to go listen to. The by yourself records. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I sort of feel fortunate. I don't know if you, I don't know if you guys feel this way, but I sort of feel fortunate that we have a way to deal with shit that a lot of people don't. That when when horrible things happen, you feel bad for a little while, but then you start spitting it out in some way. You know, for mm-hmm. me, it's joke writing or doing this or, or whatever, and you know, and you do what you do, and and then, but you don't. But a lot of people don't actually have that. And so they just I, – I just kind of wonder like how do most people get their shit out if they don't have like a some sort of metaphorical canvas to be like blah. Yeah, a lot of them don't, right? Gun range. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's where they get it out. Yeah, or, or it turns into like getting in fights on the weekends or something or whatever. You get a lot of tension and energy and you got to do something with it. Have you ever written something when you were writing it? You're like, "This is the most moving spiritual song I've ever written." And then afterwards, you hear it and you go, "Oh my god! Oh Jesus Christ! What was that?" Because it, it was just like too on the nose. Yeah, too literal or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's happened. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, there was one on this this last record that we never really got. That song, "Satellite," I thought was like. For some reason, it, it had this emotional depth to me that I, I was really feeling at one time. And then we just never could finish it, you know? What happened I like that, that one. one. Yeah. So it's not Maybe on, on the next record. Yeah. So it's, on, it's just out there. We have like a quarter of it recorded. Yeah. So it's literally a satellite just yeah, floating exactly. out there yeah. waiting to be turned on exactly. again at some point in orbit. <laughs> um, how, long are, uh, how long is your tour go once you guys go back out? Does it never end? Hopefully yeah. a long time. Yeah, you know, we, we go out for, like, the first one, the first real one starts right before the beginning of September. It'll be, like, three, four weeks. Then you're home for a week. Then you go out again, maybe in another country for a couple weeks. It's, it's always kind of, like, stopping and going. But 
like in all I don't know usually it's like a year or something oh my god yeah How but it's fun that, that part well it is fun but do you ever just think like you know I just want to sit on a I just want to sit on my porch and stare at the ground for a while. Nah, man. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to be be alone with my thoughts. Uh, No, there's times when it does feel like, okay, I could use a break now. But but for the most part, I I find that, like, touring is... There's something actually calming about it because of what we were talking about earlier that's just about getting a shower. It's just about finding where you're going to get food. You have this... this, uh, itinerary yeah, yeah, you have your daily schedule you know what you got to do where in, where you got to be when it's in that sense it's 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 calming or it's uh it's not so trying on your brain right right it's it's more trying on your body probably but um and then you get to go play a show yeah, yeah. it's it's distracting and every brain. night you've got that thing it's yeah. just like it's just a blast i um i had a vacation recently and I didn't know what to do with it. <laughs> and I never, I don't yeah, really a, ever get time off. Uh-huh. It's like, where'd you go? I didn't go anywhere. I mean, just, <laughs> what do I do with Tuesday? Like, I know I don't ever have those questions. Right. And it, it really, it scared the shit out of me. Be right? honest, you hosted at midnight. In your I did house. not host at midnight in my house. Just stuffed animals. Points. I literally, <laughs> like, I, I mean, this sounds so sad. There were point, there were points of the day where I was just. And I just moved into a house, and I don't really have any furniture. I was just, like, walking around this empty house in circles. Like, what am I supposed to do? Mm-hmm. Like, it was, I, almost, I, I must have looked like a fucking zoo animal. Right. And I was like, I should be out in the wild, but here I am, and I don't know how to wild away. your beard and pee in jars. That's what I should What do. are those zoo animals thinking that are pacing back and forth? Oh, what a life. This <laughs> is so great. I think, they think that they, they, I think they think they're visiting the zoo, and they're seeing all of the, the – we are the displays to them. <laughs> I hate seeing that, though. They just look – there's something going on in their in their heads. I pray that their short term, mem- and I know that this is not the case for a lot of the higher mammals, but I, I, but I really hope for them is that they're essentially like goldfish, and so that they just don't know that they're going in the same circle, and every every second is fresh to them, so they don't. But I know that that's not. I know I that imagine that's they're not constantly true. plotting revenge. <laughs> you think that's what's happening? Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. I could, that's kind of what it looks like. Most definitely. <laughs> oh, I'm just walking in this circle. You're all gonna pay one day. They're <laughs> concentrating as hard as they can to try to evolve opposable thumbs <laughs> or the ability to build complex machinery. So that <laughs> Grabbing all those phones that have fallen in and learning the internet. Yeah. Uh, what's the strangest and most esoteric thing that you've ever written about? Because <laughs> I feel like there's a song in here somewhere about being the animal in a cage that is trying to while away the hours. Oh, I don't know. Most esoteric song I've ever written? Shit, man. <laughs> I don't know. Well, just think about this thing, you know, for the next record. Back. Yeah, all right. If you want, you know. If the you record just, if you... satellite's on. We'll also have a record about the animals that rise up and kill. Maybe yeah, that's how Alec, that song ends. Alex, do we have any weird songs? Lyrically weird songs? I don't know. Yeah, it's nothing's weird. coming to me. Yeah. Nothing, it's not filed that way in yeah. my brain. Do you feel like if Dan Brian, was here, he would know. Do you yeah, feel like yeah. Brian Wilson was the least ironic person in music or the most ironic person in music? When I just hear about like singing about his favorite vegetables, I go, that's either the least ironic song or the most ironic song hmm. I've ever heard in my entire life. And I can't decide which one it is. I think it's least. <laughs> or like Free Design. Have you ever listened to the Free Design? What's that? The Free Design? Oh. No. Dude, um, you're missing out. Free Design was like a late 60s kind of like, I think it was like a sibling jazz trio. Yeah. And they did these really insane complex harmonies. Mm-hmm. But their songs were about the most literal. They have a song about kites. Uh-huh. It's just called Kites, kites Are, are fun. fun. And it's just about how kites are fun. 
and there's the no, thesis is in the title. That's it. Wow. But it, but the song is so beautifully. Now I gotta see. If now I, is it good music though? Do yeah. you enjoy listening? Well, to it? I, you know, I weirdly do, but it does sound like super sixty. I mean, it's it sounds like super 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 kitschy sixties. Um, let me see if I can pull. I know I have kites are fun on here. Here we go. Kites are fun. Let me see if. Got an email. If you guys want to cover this, like no one's gonna blame you. Kind of sounds like the end of the. <laughs> They're just flying kites. <laughs> and you two both knew about this. Yes. You didn't. You didn't know about this. No. Huh. How did I miss out? Okay, here, here it's about to kick into high gear. I mean, as high gear free design goes. <laughs> Full boss and over. What are they saying? Kites are fun. Oh, yeah. Kites are fun. Yeah, so is that a joke or not? <laughs> no. I don't think so. I don't think so, yeah. They caught the real tail end of that 60s, like, we can just be festive and there's no irony in this. <laughs> right. Festive. <laughs> yeah. It's a great way to put Funny. that. They bought sweaters going, I have no fear motive with this sweater. Right. Let's make all these sweaters match. <laughs> It's basically like an awkward family photo in music And it's crazy because when you listen to some of their stuff, like the vocal harmonies are so complex that it's almost even more jarring that it's so squeaky cute because it's so complicated what they're doing on stuff. They put a lot into those vocal harmonies. (laughs) It's almost like they were like, let's make all these harmonies as complex as possible. I'm like, oh, fuck, I didn't write anything about what, what. I'm holding a kite. Great. That's fine. Let's fucking go with that. <laughs> we have a song on our on our new record that kind of has a flute sound like that. Yeah, it does. Really? Yeah. yeah. Flute what? gets weirdly intoxicating, doesn't it? It's a reverby flute like yeah, that. Yeah, I, I, can, I can go with a reverby fruit, fruit, flute. <laughs> and it wasn't ironic when we did it. It was not ironic. Yeah, I was feeling it. I, I still was, feel I was, it. I feel it too. I mean, I listen to fucking Aqualung loudly. <laughs> like, Jethro Tull rocked the shit out of the flute. They, they they did rock the shit out of the flute. But no one has really since. Once you've got Tull. I mean, there's no... No one's going to, like, we're going to beat Tull. It's time, though. It's been decades. That lasts. There's, there's an OC song I like that has a flute oh, on yeah. it. Oh, yeah. Meet, it's, it's called Meet Step Lively. I think it's a flute. It sounds like a flute. Help. Yeah. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it's, it's a Yeah, it's, it's, that's a wicked song. And it's just like reverie flute in the background. Yeah, it's yeah. like, fuck. I think it's hard because there's no way to make a cool face... While playing flute, there have been some great one-offs of flute, but no toll. There's yeah. been no nobody can replace toll. Uh, how many songs were you guys uh, willing to play during the podcast? We got an, oh yeah, we got one more planned for you. You have one more planned? <laughs> yes. Do you want to save it to the end, or do you want to do it like, oh, what? Not, like whatever? I kind of feel it like, now. You want to do it now? Yeah. Oh man. Okay. Is that what you were not about to I say? I don't. This is, this is, you're, you can drive this boat. I don't All care. Right. You want to play it now? Play it now. They're walking over the instruments again. Every time they walk over and start playing, I just want to turn to you and go, Happy anniversary, babe. <laughs> <laughs> <Fuck> yourself. <laughs> You're listening to non-member supported Nerdist Podcast. <laughs> I just don't understand 
Will you say that you need me? Fantastic. Thanks. That was Spoon playing. I, just, I always want to do like the NPR thing. Because I feel like when, we're, when, you're, like, when there's a live performance here, it just feels like it should be, it should be really delicate and reverent. Yeah. But also like bassy and leaning into the microphone. There's a certain, it is a very certain. Lots of bad sound. <laughs> <laughs> there's so much, so there's much, so much mouth, mouth noise. Mouth I actually noise. was listening to KCRW the other day and I like got to the point where I was so hyper-focused on that sound <laughs> that I started having like a f- fucking freak out. <laughs> like, this, it will get, make you Someone crazy. get this woman a drink of water. Yeah. <laughs> or get shittier mics. Please. <laughs> Turn the condenser off. Yeah. I, I ended up turning it off. So, uh... <laughs> yeah. What are, your, what are some rules do you think? They, obviously, because you're at all your shows, what, how, how would you like the audience to comport itself? Because I feel like... Sometimes audiences come to a show and they feel like, hey, I've paid money. You better fucking entertain me. And you kind of go, all right, you just have a small job and your job is to just be open to being invested in the show. watch the show. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So are are there things that you would say to an audience, if you're going to come to a Spoon show, uh, try to keep this in mind to make the show as pleasurable for everyone? Well, you know, every every performer wants the audience to, to... to get some something back from them, you know, it's more fun when you do. To when you can feel like, oh, we're both here, we're both present. Something's right. happening here. Um, so you know, volume helps. <laughs> um, clapping, moving around. Uh, <laughs> don't uh, stand with your back to the to the audience right at the front of the stage. That happens sometimes. Don't text. Don't don't make Facebook. Yeah, posts yeah, yeah. But um, 
Yeah, it is a thing, you know. Like they're they're judging us, but we're we're judging them too. I want to know what the, <laughs> you should say that during the show. Yeah. You think you're judging us? We're also judging you. We're the abyss looking back, friends. Yeah. <laughs> abyss to abyss. <laughs> I feel I, I want to feel like I want to try to figure out what the actual number is. Like some audiences. Very rarely, but occasionally you will get an audience that just isn't great as a group. Together, <laughs> yes, exactly. they just right. shouldn't hang out together. Right. <laughs> but I feel like... Remember at a Divine Fit show, someone got bit? <laughs> what? Do you remember? That guy got bit. No, I don't remember that. This girl bit a dude at this, in Hawaii. Oh, yeah? Just yeah. like in a fight or... She like got mad that he was like... He like moved in front of her or something. I don't know. Oh, it was a str- then they weren't, they they weren't were there not, together. They were not there together. And she, she bit him. him. She got kicked out. Oh, yeah? And now they're happily (laughs) married. I missed that. Yeah, Yeah, I was... (laughs) (laughs) There is a happy ending to this I bit him at a show, and then we got together. But I feel like there's a number of people that can tip an audience, and I don't know what that number is. And I would really love to figure it out. But because an audience really does take on... They really do become this unified, throbbing mass. But at some point, there are... There are micro leaders in each section, and I can't figure out. I think there's a size to energy ratio, too, where you want that sweet spot. Where, like, the bigger it is, the more it's got to push up. And sometimes you're in that, not for the huge venues, but like the medium sized ones. Like, you guys have done the Fonda. Mm-hmm. Fonda, I think, is the perfect tricky venue. Because I've definitely been to shows there where it's ecstatic, and then other times where it was a little too big for what was happening there. Hmm. Also, a little-known secret, it sounds horrible on that stage. Yeah, it really does. Always. I can imagine. It sounds bad? Always. What, what is it? Is it? Is it just because of the way the... the, the I think it's the stage is hollow. Yeah. It's oh, like not, there's just some there's, unfortunate combination yeah. of, of uh, effects there. It's just... It does yeah. not sound good. I don't know. I, uh, and those are things that you can't really say when you're on stage. Like, guys, it doesn't sound weird up here. <laughs> they not, the, they, yeah, they want, they want to see you do a good show. Right. And that is your duty. You know, right? At all costs. Do you do, do you find yourself if you have a? Sometimes you'll get like a section of an audience is really great, but then like the <laughs> other side, they're just not having it for some reason. And do you do you tend to play to the the section that's in that's doing better, or do you play to the section that's not to try to like pull them in? I think about Jim Eno, our drummer. He always focuses on the, the, the ones that love us, right? Uh-huh. And my inclination has always been to go out and try to get the attention of the ones that, that don't, right? Um, but sometimes you just can't. I mean, I, it's easier to focus on the ones that are right there. And, Thank and, you, and, Mezzanine! Yeah. <laughs> the other thing that I've learned is that the narrative that's in your head about people or, or, or what they're thinking or enjoying is not always the case that sometimes you learn like some people just enjoy things with less energy yeah. and then afterwards they, like some guy in the audience that you thought was hating the show come on and go hey man that was really great and it's like why didn't you fucking do anything during the <laughs> you know but they just don't right. they, they, they just express themselves differently than you express themselves and you go oh yeah I was just I was putting me onto that guy yeah 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 the, it's funny like the people that lose their minds that shows they're not necessarily the kind of people that we would sometimes you know like they're weirdos you know <laughs> like I don't go to I don't I don't go to shows and um, whatever uh, do hippie dances or whatever but but sometimes when you see someone doing this obnoxious dance it's like oh, okay somebody's feeling it you know yeah. it feels good but that's not me <laughs> I'm, yeah. I'm probably a little more reserved I'm probably yeah. standing closer to the back yeah except when I saw Queens of the Stone Age recently you stood in the front? Yeah, I stood in like the very, very yeah. front. It was, it's too good. 
but yeah, that's a good point. Even the people that that are loving it obsessively may not be giving you what you want, right? They just are a little more chill. (laughs) And then you have to sort of, I, I think a lot of it has to do with releasing expectations and not trying to control not trying to, to, to micromanage or control the situation too much. I think you go crazy if you're trying to control everything. Mm. Hopefully you get to a certain point where you go like, well, you know, this is, this is how we do it. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is what they do. And uh, hopefully it works. And, you know. Yeah. You hope it works out. You <laughs> no, hope th- that the, the, the chemistry is there. I think you go Pink Floyd the wall and send armed, uniformed goons into the crowd mm-hmm. until yeah. they give you what you want. Yeah, that's a good idea. That seems like a really important line item to have in your touring budget. <laughs> goons. Uniformed Just goons. Just a truck full of equipped and uniformed goons. Are you good at performing if you're uh, in a bad mood? Or if you're, like, is performing an escape for you? Or does it stick in the back of your head when you're on stage? If, you're, if, if something shitty has happened or if you got in an argument with someone or if you're bummed or... Can you put it off, or does it stick with you? Yeah, usually I can put it off. I mean, usually you, you hope that that kind of thing doesn't happen two minutes before you go on stage. Right. But if something's happened that day, there's this whole process of getting ready for a show. Some of it involves eating, right? And some of it involves, you know, at a certain time. And, and like, uh, just getting your headspace so that by the time it, you're about to walk on stage, you're there. And, and I think you can get... I personally can push that out. Yeah. Because I do enjoy the shows. I love doing shows, and they're no fun when you're not there in the right way. You know? Right, and are you have the choice: are you going to be in there there in the right way? Are you going to be there and like be enjoying it, or are you going to be obsessing over some detail? Are you good at enjoying success? You think? Uh, yeah, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, do you appreciate it when it's happening, or do you preach? Because I feel like there's a way to appreciate stuff in a moment, and then other times. You don't really appreciate you appreciate things retrospectively, where you go, "Oh yeah, that was a really good thing that happened." But in the moment, you're just you're just super focused on what you're like, what's going, like what you have to do, and putting out fires and everything. I don't know. We, this band existed for a long time when it was very unsuccessful, and so when we started getting even the most small steps of success, um, and they they and they did come slowly and gradually and and I kind of felt like every step of the way we were appreciating that like okay hey we're not losing money on the, when we go out and do a show, uh, tour or you know we've sold um whatever 1200 copies of our record this week that was a, at some point that was a huge deal like that that really made us happy you know so every step of the way it was it got a little better and I think we do appreciate it you know, I think that doing having those those rough years, um, some good came out of it. I think a lot of good comes out of that stuff because you don't. I mean, if it, I mean, if you, you know, if you just if you release one record and it's like you sold a million copies, I don't know. How do you know? Yeah, where how do you do, go from there? How, where do you go from there? And how do you appreciate that? And how do you, you know, like I feel like all of the and they're they're not it's it's not they're not, they're not like failure years. It's just like building years. And right. if you don't if you don't have that, you don't really have a foundation. You know, and then how great if after a few records, like something blows up, and then people all of a sudden have this catalog of stuff to rediscover. Mm-hmm. They didn't have they didn't have that before, right? I don't know if it's the same. I mean, it's not really the same with. I just compare everything to stand because that's all. I don't know music. I just know stand up, and and I, and I always I I think there's a lot of fun parallels between what what we do. Like even 
just tonally in the way we approach audiences, just like your tools are a little bit different than mine, but ultimately it's the same. Like you're just trying to form a relationship in an hour right. with an audience and communicate as quickly as possible. I always, I'm never like, uh, I don't, I think that it must be hard as a, as a comedian though, that you, you've got your material and you know, it's, it's only really good for a year or two or, or whatever it is. Yeah. yeah. Um, but you know, People that come see us, they want to hear those songs that they know. Right? Exactly. It's, it seems like that would be hmm, keeps you on a your lot toes. of work. It, it keeps you on your toes. Yeah. And, and you know, when you write your first like, hour of material, you're like, aha, this is the culmination of my life's work. And then right. after that, you're like, I got to do this again. Yeah, yeah. And then I got to do it again. And so, immediately after. Yeah. And, you know, in any, in any, there's really only a couple of comedians that went beyond like three albums and continued to do well but if you're a band it's sort of like you really could your 14th album could all of a sudden like you know like and that's that's not as that's not as common in the comedy uh, in the comedy community we're having to go and write a new album's worth of material but but the cool thing is that we can go do a show and have these public performances where you can draw on you know, a whole, whatever, in our case, 20 years of, yeah. of work, you know, and I don't see comedians having that. Same. No, we don't get that. We don't get that same. We don't get that same luxury, but it's, it's nice. I mean, it, it must be nice to know that if, if, it, if there were a weird situation where someone's like, get on stage and play right now, you guys could get up and be like, all right, let's just, you know, we could, we could bang out through something without having to rehearse yeah, anything. Exactly. That, that's kind of a nice comforting feeling. Are you, uh, um, are you guys married? You're not, well, you're, you're young. You're, yeah. st- you're still I'm like not allowed to date yet. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not married. Neither one of us is married. No. There's a couple married guys in the band, Jim and Rob. For a brief second, I thought you meant they together were married. I thought so too. No, <laughs> so you guys are just dating, and we're not. It's <laughs> uh, uh, bad comic reflex. Um, do you? Uh, is it hard? It, it, I would imagine it must be really hard to maintain a relationship on the road if you're gone for you know almost a year at a time. Yeah, it can be. Yeah. Um. And what percent you must, you must have yeah. uh, experienced that yourself? Well, I'm never on the road. I'm, I don't go on the road for like a long chunk oh, yeah. of time. I'm I'm always back and forth. Right. So I'm I'm here during the week, and then I go on the weekend, and then you know, a lot of times I could you know take that person with me, which is which is kind of nice. But you guys are on tour buses, I would imagine. Yeah. And you're you're just you're essentially living a mobile life. Yeah. And some yeah, if you're dating a doctor or something, then that's not something you you can't bring them out on the tour bus with you. No, because where else are you going to get the meds, man? Right. <laughs> That's the perfect person to bring out on the road. No, I don't. I, yeah, yeah, it ain't easy. It isn't, and I and I, I wonder if the. I feel like the type of person that actually could be a significant other in a relationship with a touring performer is a very specific type of person. I would imagine a very patient person. Yeah. <laughs> it, well, and, and a person that desires a certain type of relationship, and maybe a certain amount of time alone. Yeah, yeah. I've had certain girlfriends that hated coming out and being on on tour because um, I don't know. There's just something about the chemistry. Some people, some women love it, and then some of them they just like it makes them feel like, okay, what am I doing here? You know? right. right. Some of them are more up for that than others. Yeah, I guess that's true. Well, it's just they're not they aren't really like comedy groupies. <laughs> but if you're if you're single and you're a comedian, there's not. I mean, there are. I guess there are comedy groupies. But uh, 
but it, it feels a little more common in your field than it would be in in mine. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe. No comment. <laughs> Let me put it this way. I've never hooked up with a group eater. <laughs> really? Never. All those years? Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm a, I've am i been in relationships forever. Oh, that's true. I just jump from relationship to relationship. Oh, my mind. Chris Harvey and Stacey Jacks. And now I'm single Same and guy. I don't know what the fuck to do. Like, I don't know how, how to... How long have you been single? <sighs> I guess, what is it now? Maybe five weeks? Six weeks? Oh, this is fresh. It's still... Yeah. I keep thinking like it happened a long time ago, but when I say it out loud, I'm like, oh yeah, no, that just happened. That's, yeah. still a new, that's still a new thing. What about you? I'm not in one now. You're not in one now? Yeah, yeah. And how long has it been? Um, about nine months. So you're kind of used, used to it now. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard. I think the breakups get harder the older you get. Because you, you kind of get more. Because when you're, you're young, you're like, oh, these are just, you know. Yeah. I think uh, there's, well, stronger attachments and bonds form the older you get. Right. You know, I feel like it's time to write a, a, a breakup song. We are that pacing tiger cage <laughs> at the zoo with all eyes are just upon us. I'm listening. And we're just paranoid. We're sort of, you're like, people are watching me, but I'm alone. Oh, man, this guy's going to strike. I got, <laughs> I had a tiger girlfriend back on a savanna somewhere, but we had to split up because long distance relationships don't work in the wild. <laughs> he travels from zoo to zoo. Zoo to zoo. Yeah. Yeah, man. I don't know. This might be one of those on the nose. <laughs> Love Tiger! You can use that if you want. Right. <laughs> Do you have relatives that say that to you? You can use that if you want. Oh, yeah, thanks. Uh, you must. <laughs> I did. Yeah, yeah I, I, did. Oh, yeah. I do have relatives like that. They'll say something. This would be great for your act. Yeah, I right. love it. Love it every time. <laughs> no, I just saw that on a but. My dad, my dad for the longest time was convinced that the phrase, I would call him and go, what do you, how's it going? And he goes, same shit, different day. You could put that on a bumper sticker if you want. And I go, well, first of all, thanks. <laughs> Second of all, no. He thought he made that up? I, get, I don't know if he... Well, I don't, I don't know if it's that he thought that he made it up, but I guess he just... I guess he just sort of thought that he stumbled on the bumper stickering of it. Mm. That he thought like that was his. Yeah. It was like no one had put... <laughs> but I guarantee you if, you, if you went to like a truck stop off the I-40 somewhere between, you know... Tulsa and, yeah that, that you that if you went into a truck stop there would there would be a they say same shit different day and then a bunch of truckers with like 64 ounce coffees like hmm, that's the truth <laughs> <laughs> don't I know it <laughs> well I'm gonna get back on the road and uh stick my dick in this hot donut so I feel like I have some human contact left in the world <laughs> how did we get here I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I think it's the. Co- I'll tell you. I'll tell you exactly what it is. It's a combination of actually talking about like things that really matter, and then kind of feeling like I'm not comfortable with that, and then I'm gonna make a joke about a trucker fucking a donut. Right, right. That's what it is. It's just sort of constantly. <laughs> I feel like the older you get, the, the I don't know if you get better at staying a, a step ahead of your brain, or if you get worse at staying a step ahead of your brain. <laughs> what do you think? Uh, I think I get better. You get better at yeah, it. Yeah. You're not going to catch me, brain. (laughs) (laughs) Nice try. I imagine that's the last thing you say before you go to bed. (laughs) I know. Right as a single tear just dribbles down the... You're not going to get me tonight, brain. (laughs) (laughs) It's, you know, the hardest thing about... The hardest thing about a, a breakup or a loss or whatever is that you can have a fine day and then your dreams just fucking attack you. And you're like, Why? 
I felt fine. Mm. Or that you wake up in the morning before everything that's going on hits you again, before you remember everything. <laughs> well, that's the, yeah, that's the, yes, which I always liken to, um, it's basically like someone is dumping like hot liquid reality onto your brain mm. before you wake up and you're like, oh, it's sunny outside and then gloop and then it's just like you just feel it like, oh, oh, and it just sinks into all the levels of your brain. Or if you have a, have this idea of like there's this thing you can play called morning anger rodeo and if you are with a significant other and you fight the night before, it's how long can you, for lack of a better term, spoon that person in the morning before they remember like, oh, yeah, we're not talking it, right I now. I call it hate snuggling. <laughs> <laughs> but you're not allowed yeah. You don't get to stay in the well, You're just staring at the back of the person's head Yeah just, mm. Mm. <laughs> We're going to snuggle <laughs> Did it get too real? <laughs> Let's get realer Yeah Alright well, Fine, what do you, get real what do you, you gotta, talk about? <laughs> No, no, I, I can't get realer I, I can't go there I can't I know, me too It's a defense mechanism But I don't But I have the comedy defense mechanism What's your defense mechanism? I just get up there and play a song, you know, then I don't have to say anything new. Yeah. That's awesome. Do you feel like that's sort of a, a general musician credo? Is like, I'm, my songs speak for me. Well, it is easy to just go up there and you, it's, pre, it's scripted, right? Yeah. Um, the parts that are um, uh, spontaneous are, are not with the words, right? You know? <laughs> right. I guess Bradford Cox is good at that, though. Coming up with shit on the spot, but um, yeah, I think that having having a script makes it a lot easier because you can disappear into that if you need to. Yeah, you just you're not expected to come up with new content, and at least lyrically, right? Yeah. The the spoon all star improv jam where you're like, I need a location, and then an occupation, and then you just start playing a song. Do you right. think you guys can improvise a song? Could we improvise yeah. a song musically? Yeah. But, the, but lyrically is a little harder for me. I know people that can do that, but... Alex, can you do that? No. Yeah. You know Reggie Watts? You no, but yes. In action, like... Yeah. Something he could pull off. Yeah. He uh, just did At he, Midnight. Oh, did he? Yeah, we, was he on like, Yeah, just two hours ago. Watching just... Because, like, I played music for a long time before I did comedy and was the worst at just, like, I'll just mumble some things incoherently because I like this riff and don't feel like writing lyrics. And then, like, watching Reggie, who actually, like, can take shit that you had a conversation about a minute ago and then work it into lyrics is head exploding. One of the most frustrating things about Reggie is I I was in a musical comedy duo and we toured with Reggie in 2004 all up the West Coast to 17 people max uh, in each venue. And Reggie would break out these really brilliant sounding things, but he didn't like to repeat stuff. So he would hit, it was sort of like the, mu- it was the music trap of, you'd hear something one night and be like, fuck, I can't wait to hear that again. And he just wouldn't do it because mm. he just didn't want to, or he forgot the fact it. that bootleggers don't follow him around more. They like should. Like the kind of people who go to like jam band shows mm. and somebody doesn't just track him with those. That's not, there's not ReggieWattsBootlegs.com. Yeah. Because, yeah, so many good things that you're just never going to hear again. Are you even thinking about, after this, like, what's number nine going to be? Or are you just focused on record number eight? Yeah, I'm just focused on eight for now. Does it eat away with you when people are just like, so when's the next one? Right after you're done with one? You just did that. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, wanna, I like to, to do both I don't get asked that often. It's a two-hander. It's all right. I can deal with it. They already said they have, like, 50 songs that are in various stages of development. I'm trying to get us a scoop, boss. Uh, thanks. I like it when you call me boss. That's right. <laughs> um, so you said there were just two songs? 
Yeah, yeah, we're we're prepped for two. Today. You're prepped for two. Okay, yeah. nope. That two. I'm I am thankful that you even did two songs here. That we Thanks were able to trick us. you into give us this this in, in swing house. This is where we did the Ben Folds one. Yeah, and the uh, Brendan Small too. And the Brendan Small. Oh, too. you don't do it here every week. No, no, no. It's only it's only when we can convince someone to give us a private concert okay. that we come to swing house. Usually, we record at the the TV studio where I do the TV show. So, but it's a, this is a nice treat for us because. Yeah. I don't know. Although, I do think a drum kit would sound amazing in the room we recorded because it's just this brick room that's just echoey as fuck. And every time I'm in there, I'm just like, God, a drum set would kill in here. At, 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 this, TV yeah, at the TV studio? Yeah, it's yeah. this tiny office room. But like, it's the worst room for audio. Just terrible. Except, on the entire property. Except for giant John Bonham drums would sound huge in there. <laughs> <laughs> but it's good to see you again. Yeah, and great I, to and, see I, you and too. I hope you had a nice time. And, you know, and, and thanks for getting a little real on the show. You know, I don't. I don't know. Yeah, man, it's, it's my pleasure. Just, it, it's good too. Yeah, every once in a while. Thanks right? for having us on. No, good to see you. I really so, enjoyed. We we yeah. hadn't really figured out how we were going to play like uh, uh, solo acoustic songs yet, so we this was a good exercise. Yeah. For us. And do you feel like uh, do you feel like aha, we got it? Yeah, we kind of got we it. Job, we're going to go yeah. do one in Seattle this next week, so we're good to we're go. Good to go. Yeah. So um, they want my soul is the album. It's August fifth. Available where music is sold digitally. Are there still record stores, Kyle? There, yeah. I know there's Amoeba. I'm going to go get them vinyl copies of things. But I don't, Did you guys put out a vinyl edition? Yeah. Of, oh, nice. Spoon, man. You're going to go get a Spoon record on vinyl. Can you explain to me why um, record players are like hundreds of dollars? Because you want really good audio quality in it, so you got to get high-quality parts. Or is it they know because hipsters will pay hundreds of dollars I mean, for both. a record player? It's both. You know what? I would just be happy with that old, like... I got, like, a... Mine's only, like, a hundred bucks. Do you remember when we... Well, not when you were young, but when I was young, you, you could you could buy something that looked like a truck, and it had a needle in it, and you'd set it on the record, and it would drive around in circles, and it had a little speaker on top of it? I forgot. I, no, I missed that. You never saw that? that the, the sound quality was terrible. And I think you also risked... Oh, so the record wasn't moving. It would just drove the, around. Yeah, yeah. You, oh. you, the record was, would stay still, and then this little truck had a needle on it and a speaker, and it would drive around in circles toward the center. Yeah. And um, I, I feel like a lot of times completely demolish the record oh, in the absolutely. process. But, uh, but I would pay hundreds of dollars for that. You didn't have one? No. Uh, I feel like that's what... That's... Do you have one of those plastic carry case ones? No. Those are my favorite. Uh, Jack White has one of those now that's yellow plastic, and you just put it in, and it like hangs out the side. Oh man! Hmm. All right, I think I think I know that there is a hole. The hole in my soul is shaped like a truck with a record needle on it. Okay. I'm gonna be go great find if that. That's what gets you back into vinyl hardcore. Like you're just buying records to put your truck on. Dude, I, I'm actually surprised that there's not like some weird hipster movement already of just that. And then just deciding like, oh, look, it's the General Lee. And like everyone fucking puts like whatever sort of weird ironic childhood memory they have. Some pop culture reference. Are you listening, Portland? <laughs> I would buy one if it were in the shape of a DeLorean or the Ghostbusters vehicle. <laughs> that sounds like a product to sell. To Comic-Con. I've become my dad. <laughs> you should make that. Get out of my head, Dad. <laughs> Enjoy a brood, everyone else. Now leaving Nerdist.com. Enjoy your burrito. Hey, grown-ups! The Cat in the Hat cast is a new podcast from Wondery, perfect for the whole family. Join the Cat in the Hat and your favorite Dr. Seuss characters as they get whisked away on a new adventure every week. Fish dreams of creating his very own polite and quiet podcast. That is, until he gets a surprise visit to his fishbowl podcast studio from the cat in the hat himself. And it becomes very clear that the cat has other plans for the podcast. 
And those plans are the opposite of quiet. Sing along to new favorite songs, try your luck at Titanic tongue twisters, have some fun with wondrous wordplay, and most importantly, bring your family along for all of the adventures in the Cat in the Hat cast. Follow the Cat in the Hat cast on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to the Cat in the Hat cast early and ad-free on Wondery Plus. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Wondery Kids Plus on Apple Podcasts today.